Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Let's stand together and worship this morning.
one of y'all turn to the person next to you and say hello.
certainly, it certainly is a powerful name. So I think it'd be just appropriate right now for us just to all together just cry out the word Jesus. Let's just together, all of us right now, just call on Jesus and just say his name. Jesus, Jesus, it's a powerful name. At his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess one day that he is Lord. At the name of Jesus, he will heal us. He can heal the lame, make the deaf to hear again. God can do all things through Jesus Christ. So whatever your need is this morning, remember the powerful name of Jesus. More than his name, remember, he is our Lord and Savior, our healer, and uh, he is our divine spirit of God that lives in us. Father, thank you for the powerful, powerful name of Jesus. We thank you so much today, Lord, that we can worship a risen Savior today, that you are seated at the right hand of the Father, and God, you're uh, ever interceding for us in our time of need, in our celebrating, Lord, in all of life, Father, you intercede for us. I thank you today for Salem Fields Community Church and those who, uh, who have gathered here today, Lord, and we pray that you would just open our hearts today to receive all that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just be with those that are worshiping online today. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be the church that you've called us to be, Lord, to share real hope with anyone everywhere, Father. And we pray that as we continue to fulfill your mission, God, that you would just uh, walk alongside of us, Father, and help us, Lord, in our daily walk with you. Lord, may we live out our faith in a way, Lord, that uh, others can see a difference in us. Father, we pray for everyone here today, God, and we thank you for Gay as she brings a message today. Open our hearts, Lord, power her. May this be a great day here at Salem Fields because we are worshiping the powerful name of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. You can be seated and watch this. Hey guys, I was at a place where I felt powerless to that one thing that was just getting in my way and keeping me from overcoming. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you're at the bottom of the pit and just completely powerless? If you think that may be you, then come check us out on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. right here at Salem Field. Up and, going, up and going strong. So if you or anyone you know has a uh, hurt habit or a, I heard the other day it was a hurt habit and a hangover, uh, but if you have a, a hurt, and <laughs> I'll never get it out. Uh, anyway, you know what Celebrate Recovery is all about, and I'd uh, love to see you there if you need to be there. Also, we're going to take our tithes and offerings in just a few moments. We appreciate your faithful giving, and uh, we just uh, know that there are many ways you can give. And we have those listed there on the screen. And uh, one of the finest ways to give is through our uh, Salem Fields app. And if you've not downloaded that yet, it has a ton of information and uh, ways that you can use that app. There's a connection card in your program. Uh, you can use that and uh, fill that out and turn it in. Also, if you want to check in on Facebook, it's just a way that we use that to reach out to our community. If you're a first-time guest here today, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. And uh, we just uh, pray that you sense God's spirit here and find this to be a place that you can find some real hope uh, and the one who brings that real hope into our lives. There's a guest, there's a first time guest table out as you go out today, pick up your gift and we'd love to share that with you. Uh, also, uh, as I was thinking about the tithe, if you have a whole lot of extra money and you wanna find a place to use it wisely, uh, we were down, uh, five of us went down to North Carolina, did some hurricane relief work this week and boy, there's a great need there uh, for homes that were destroyed in a lot of poverty down east, is what they call that area. Lots of water, a lot of damage. 
uh, talked to a gentleman that lived there since 1947. He said he's endured many storms, but this was the worst storm that they'd ever endured because it just wouldn't go away. And it kept battering them. He said if it had been Hurricane 4, uh, Hurricane 4 as predicted, none of them would be alive uh, because it would have destroyed everything. So if you want to put a little extra money in that, we can make sure it gets to the appropriate place. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, celebration service is tonight, 6 o'clock. That's the time we do baptisms, baby dedications. And if you'd like to be baptized, if you put that on your connection card today, uh, we'd love to be able to um, get some information to you so that you could uh, be a part of that tonight. It's a great time to share your faith with the community of believers. You know, Jesus commanded us uh, to be baptized, and he set the example for us as he was baptized. So your next step in your faith walk with Jesus, if you've never been baptized, will be to ba be baptized and also baby dedication. If you have a child you'd like to dedicate to the Lord, We'd love to do that tonight. Could you put that on your connection card? Grief Share uh, starts October 3rd. If you recently lost a loved one or you've had great loss in your life, this is a great ministry for you to connect with. And also, if you have friends that you can invite to be a part of that. There's a family bonfire coming up on October 13th, 7 to 9, here at the church. And uh, that is a great evening to come together as families and uh, do some s'mores and things like that. So, uh, mark that on your calendar and be a part of that. We have a new series starting next week called The Best Days of Your Life. And today's the last day of our series uh, dress code. And next week, The Best Days of Your Life will be our next series. Okay, thank, thank you for being here and God bless you. Good morning. All right. Well, Buddy talked about uh, the next series that's coming up, The Best Days of Your Life. It's going to be awesome. And uh, we're finishing out dress code today in Colossians. Hello. <laughs> um, in Colossians, we talked about a spiritual wardrobe. On the outside, our dress codes change. But God gave us this internal dress code that will never change. And so we've been hanging that wardrobe, the God's designer wardrobe, out on the, out on the clothesline of Colossians. And uh, today we're gonna close that with humility. Uh, we've talked about compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience last week we talked about, and today we're gonna talk about humility. So last week we talked about patience. Now, did, was anybody's patience tried this week, tested? Anybody, no, everybody? And you passed the test, right? <laughs> well, uh, I was in, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really humbling when you uh, pr uh, preach a message about patience and then you're sitting in McDonald's line wanting a, a cup of coffee and you lose patience. And I'm sitting there saying, I know I talked about use this moment to develop my patience, but this line is really long and it's not very fast and so I'm out of here, went to Dunkin' Donuts, which is now Dunkin', right? It's changed. <laughs> but we talked about patience and this week, Patty Gutierrez, she sent me uh, on Facebook, she said, okay, look at this, Gay Berkshire Marston. Anytime someone uses all three of my names, I know they're serious. And so she was sitting in traffic. I guess, was there an accident, Patty? There was an accident. And look at that traffic, she's headed to work. And she said, I am trying to be patient. <laughs> and so we have those opportunities. And the very first point that I had last week was here's what I want you to do in those moments. Embrace the pressure. 
Don't pray it away. Don't try to make it go away because it's that pressure that God wants to use. Remember I used a, 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 crock or a, a pressure cooker where the steam and the pressure are working together and you don't want that pressure to go away because it's gonna create some wonderful food. And so it's that pressure that we want to allow God to teach us how to have patience, how to have strength under, under pressure. And uh, I couldn't help, as I was walking this week, I couldn't help but think of this song because you know if you have a lump of coal, what pressure does with that, right? What? Turns it into diamonds. That's what God wants us to be. So after the buckets go by, stand up and let's just worship God. I won't be afraid. 
dress code. Uh, last week, patience, I defined that by saying it is strength under pressure. And it's just like the farmer. Jesus said, be like the farmer who's very patient, plants those seeds, and doesn't go out to the field and say, come on, come on, you gotta grow, come on, grow fast. No, it takes time, it takes a lifetime, and it means that you use that pressure to turn you into a diamond, and we have to remember that. We have to remember that this is a lifespan. So one of the days, I'm gonna get to do uh, one of those best days of your life, and it's the day that you die. Now, you don't think of that as being the best day of your life, but life really needs to be a crescendo that we're living. You don't go up and then, okay, you die. Uh Uh-uh, no, it's getting better and better so that the day you die is just the beginning of the best part of your life, right? So when we remember that when we're under pressure, he's making diamonds out of us. That's the end goal, we gotta keep that on our mind. Well, this, this week, we're gonna finish up dress code. In Colossians, Paul's talking to the Colossians and he's saying, you're to wear an internal wardrobe that never changes. And what that is, is when you surrender and you submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he develops compassion and gentleness and kindness and patience. And that's what comes out of you. That's what flows out of you. That's what's going to make you look different in this world than people who don't follow Jesus. And he calls us to look different, not with our outside. He doesn't care that much about what we wear on the outside. What he cares about is what's flowing out of us when we're under pressure. That's what makes us different. And so we've got our key verse one more time, and I'm going to let you read it, okay? Here we go. Therefore... That's our internal wardrobe. And I, that song, I just thought we'd hang a little diamonds on that wardrobe. So we're gonna close, finish that up today. Well, flight attendant uh, had Muhammad Ali on the plane and uh, the flight attendant said, buckle up your seatbelt, sir. And he said, I'm Superman and Superman does not need a seatbelt. And she said, sir, Superman does not need a plane either, so buckle your (laughs) seatbelt. And then there was Vince Lombardi. You know who he is? He's one of the greatest coaches of all time in uh, NFL history. And uh, he had just won a spectacular game. And he came home and he crawled into bed and, and his wife said, God, your feet are cold. And he said, honey, when we're in bed, you can just call me Vince. (laughs) You get it? (laughs) Well, you see, Muhammad Ali and Vince Lombardi, they may be people that people would say, they've got this overinflated ego. And you know, sometimes people that kind of come off as having an overinflated ego gets a lot of criticism. I mean, people really like to try to tear them down. But my question today is, well then, would we say that an underinflated ego is humility? Well, there could be nothing further from the truth. 
You see, an overinflated ego and an underinflated ego are exactly the same thing. Because someone that has an overinflated ego oftentimes is only secretly hiding a lot of insecurities. And a person with an underinflated ego is really kind of an insecure person, somebody that kind of feels inferior to other people. Neither one of those are an accurate picture of who they truly are. And that's what we're gonna look, look at today, what the biblical definition of humility is. Because I think of any place in the world, in the church, we don't understand this. Because somehow we think that it's, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to think less of myself than I think of other people because after all, we're taught, put other people before yourself. And then we tend to kind of look at ourselves as not quite as good as other people and that's kind of a general thinking. There's a lot of inferiority, a lot of insecurity that bring, comes into the church and a lot of times that may look humble, but it's really not. That's not an accurate picture. But first, I want to give you a little background on this book of Colossians and the people of Colossians. Now, the time is somewhere between 58 to 62 AD. This is after Jesus died. He rose again. He was in heaven. And Paul now was on the scene. And he came out. You know, he had persecuted Christians. But this huge change had happened in his life. And he began to preach the message, uh, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And he landed in prison. And he's in prison and he hears about this little city. There was kind of this tri-city area. And Colossae was one of those little cities. And it was a very important place because the Christian church had begun to form there. But Paul had heard that there were a lot of false teachers that were at this Christian church in Colossae. And, and it was dangerously filled with, with teachers who were contaminating the message of Jesus Christ. In other words, he knew how easily people were swayed because a lot of times people just listen to somebody and they'll believe what they say instead of going into the word and, and listening to the Lord themselves. And, and so they'll just listen to somebody and they'll believe what they say. And what was happening was they were mixing a lot of truth and this is the definition of a cult. There's a lot of truth and people say, well, I think that sounds true, with a lot of false teaching. In other words, the false teachers were saying, Jesus is really not enough. He's a great guy and he's a prophet and we acknowledge him, but for your salvation, you need more than just Jesus Christ. Well, we know that Jesus taught that he and he alone by faith is all that we need. He's enough to save us from our sins. But these teachers were saying, no, you need a little more. You need to have some knowledge. And they were mixing some of the mystical knowledge with it. And people were going, well, that, that sounds right. And they were following it. You know, I just watched that. I don't know if you watched it, but the documentary has been 40 years on the Jonestown, Jim Jones thing blew me away. I mean, I lived through that and I watched it, but it was a cult where a man in San Francisco, he got 
people to follow him and they were listening to him and they sort of believed, well, there was some truth mixed in there and after all, he was a preacher and he was charismatic and he was helping the poor and people followed him and he led them all the way to their death to drink cyanide. Almost a thousand people drank cyanide because they put their faith and their trust in a man who was mixing some truth with some lies. And Paul knew that people were swayed. I know, as a person that has been in this for a long time, how people will just listen to someone and say, well, I think that's true, and just accept that as truth. I will never be the one that I want you to believe. I want you to listen to what I say as I've studied the word, and I want you to find it to be true. I want you to go to the Lord and develop your relationship with him. I want you to be able to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit so that you can spot a counterfeit. You know how you spot a counterfeit? You study the truth. You look at the truth, and then when the fake comes along, you recognize it. You don't spend your time trying to figure out all the counterfeits, no. You keep your eyes fixed on the truth, you keep heading for the truth, and when that fake comes along, you'll begin to question it, and you'll begin to discern the truth. And you see, in that day, they were saying, only the people that have this deep knowledge, that can really grasp, the word, the ones that have these deep things of God, they're the ones that are the spiritually elite. And, and people were falling for that. And Paul knew if people continued to fall for that, that the Christian faith would die out. And he said, I can't have that. And so he's in prison and he's writing this letter to the Colossians. And he's telling them, put off your old clothes. What are your old clothes? Well, your old clothes is that old way of life where you were judging people and where you were accepting lies about who you are and about who God is. And you were were worshiping things that you had things on the throne of your life that's not Jesus and Jesus alone. He's not at the center, you've got other things, you've got your work, you've got your kids, you've got all kinds of things that are taking your attention and you're letting those things crawl up on the throne of your life and you're worshiping that. And he says, put all of that off and put on your new clothes. Tonight we're gonna have a baptism and I'm so excited to See, uh, the, the baptisms are beautiful because you go down, and what it represents is you go down in that water and you're shedding all of the old. And when you come up out, you're saying, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior and I'm putting on the new clothes. I'm listening to his voice and I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to lead me into truth. And I'm gonna, and, and, and what will flow out of me in those pressure points will be I'll have patience. And humility was one of those. But Paul was saying to them, you've got to spot these counterfeits. And he said to, to them, he said, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. He was saying, 
keep your focus on the truth. Keep your focus on Jesus. He was saying, keep the true message of Jesus alive. He was entrusting those people. He has entrusted us to keep the truth of the message of Jesus Christ alive. You see, Jesus taught that salvation was for everybody. They were saying, no, it's just for the spiritually elite. It's just for the pastors, and it's just for those people that can study the Bible and really, well, that's who the Pharisees were. They were saying, we have all the knowledge, kind of pump, pump them up, and people said, oh, and, we, and then people worshiped them. He said, no, this is for everybody. The priesthood of believers, you can go directly to Christ for your salvation and you cannot earn his love, you cannot do anything that will make his love go away. He loves you and there's nothing that you can do. You cannot earn your salvation. You accept him as your Lord, that he died for your sins that he rose again and he lives in heaven. And when you believe that simply by faith, you're saved. You don't have to have a lot of knowledge. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. It is for everybody. That's what Jesus taught. That wasn't common. And so Paul was saying, shed off the way that you used to believe and believe the truth. You see, the Christian church up to that time hadn't focused on how Christ followers were to grow in community. You see, he commissioned the church. And some people say, well, I don't need the church. Well, yeah, it's biblical that you need to be in church because that's one of the ways that God has given us to grow because we grow in community and in relationship with one another. We can't get that. It's specifically what the church does for us anywhere else. And Paul was saying, we need to focus on how we're doing these relationships, and the spiritual wardrobe is, is very important in that. So Paul says, take off those old clothes. He, he didn't call us to judge. You know, we tend to judge people. We tend to place value on people. Well, that person with the PhD is so much more important than me. I didn't even finish eighth grade. Don't we do that? Well, that person that has that position or that person that has that mansion over on the hill, well, wow. And we tend to have this value system that we, that we get real judgy about. Well, this, this dress code would look very different. But these false teachers were mixing their own ideas and their philosophies just like we do. You know, they even said that Jesus had a place, but they said he wasn't supreme. They even killed the Christians, not because they believed in Jesus, but because they wouldn't wor worship Jesus and the government or the Caesar. They wanted a mix of both. And it began to develop this Christian facade. It's kind of like people kind of had a version of looking like a Christian because they did all the right things. They gathered together and they did church and they sang songs and they could talk to talk, but nothing was changing on the inside. When they got in pressure situations, they blew off just like everyone else. When they 
uh, saw the poor and the needy, they just passed them right on by. They weren't looking any different, but on the outside, their dress code, well, it looked pretty good. They looked pretty good, but they were counterfeits. You know, those knockoffs, you go to New York City and you go on the street and they've got all the sunglasses that are supposed, I don't even know the designer names anymore, but the handbags and all of that, they're knockoffs. They look good on the outside, but they're not the real deal. They're not, they're not uh, the, the real thing. Well, that's how humility is. You see, humility is not self-deprecation. You know what that is? It's not self-deprecating. It's not cutting ourselves down. That's a sin. Because that's not your value. It, it, it isn't insecurity. Because insecurity is, is focusing on what I'm afraid of or what I don't like about myself. It's very self-absorbed. That's not humility. Humility is this. It's striving for an accurate picture of yourself. It's seeing yourself as God sees you, no more and no less. Now you see, this is revolutionary because for people to truly live this, it's really, really rare. And it can really only come by keeping our eyes on what the truth really is, not this kind of perceived picture of who we created ourselves to be or, or how somebody else maybe when we were young told us that we were this or we were that and we just believed it and we just kept on going. A lot of people that have excelled in life, I'm sure uh, Tiger Woods' father told him, you're going to be the greatest, Tiger, and he lived up to that. Many people had someone say, you're never going to amount to a thing, and we live up to that. And so we allow that voice to determine our identity and we live our whole life believing a lie. Paul said, shed those old clothes. That is not who you are. You have an identity. And we're gonna take a look at what that is because my heroes are in the Bible. My mentors are Bible characters. I look to them. I have Daniel. I wanna be like Daniel. He didn't take the pressure off, he went right into that lion's den and he never gave up on his faith and trust in God and God went right into that lion's den with him. But my ultimate mentor, my ultimate hero is Jesus. I just look to him for everything. And so I look to him to say, okay, how do we know who we are? So let's look to Jesus. You see, Jesus, had a clear sense of his identity. He knew exactly who he was. He knew that his mother was Mary. He had siblings. He uh, played basketball in high school. Just trying to see if you're still with me. <laughs> he was 100% divine and he was 100% human. He was just like us and he said, I want you to be just like me. And he made a way for that. And he knew exactly who he was. He was created for a specific purpose on this earth, just as every single one of us, every person online, every child that's back in the children's area, every student that's over in that area, every single per person has been created for a specific purpose. 
The problem is we don't keep our eyes on the truth to discover that purpose. But Jesus is our example, and he knew exactly who he was. He knew what his purpose was. And when he was baptized, and he came up out of that water, John had baptized him. He shed off his old life, and he put on the new. And when he came up out of that water, he heard a voice. Now, all of us have heard a voice about our identity, but Jesus heard a voice. And what did that voice say? This is my Son. How many people here have been baptized? Most of us. When you came up out of that water, what voice did you hear? <laughs> we hear voices. You need to get some help with that. <laughs> <laughs> But Jesus heard, this is my son. And that's exactly the voice that we needed to hear. This is my daughter. This is my child. This is my son. But our ears begin to hear other voices, don't we? We have those voices in our head. We have those hurts in our heart because of the voices that we heard that, that set us on a course to believe some lies about ourselves. And we carry that throughout our life. And Jesus says, the only voice that we need to hear is that one that we come up in our new clothes and we hear, this is my child. That's what Jesus heard. And that voice was the only voice that Jesus submitted and surrendered to, and followed, and listened to, and, guide, and, and it guided him the rest of his days on earth. He is our example. He followed, he submitted to that voice every day. I've made it a practice, and when Buddy's not in the bed, I don't do it then, because he goes down and prays, but every morning when I get up, I roll right around, get on my knees, and I say, Holy Spirit, I submit to your authority today. I surrender to your power. That sets the course for my day, and he says, you are my child. I've got you. I've got you today. So whatever comes along, I know that he's right there with me, giving me the power in the McDonald's line when I want to... You understand? <laughs> Big Mac. <laughs> You see, if we're finding our identity in anything other than Jesus Christ, it will be our idol. If we're finding our identity in how much money we make at our work, if we find our identity in our work, if we're finding our identity in our kids and we're living vicariously through them, whatever we're finding our identity in, it will crawl up on the throne of our life and we will worship it. And we will become a slave to it. And usually it's something that makes us feel good because that's our idol today in this culture. That's what we worship. I want to feel good. And so we'll find things that will make us feel good. Jesus found his identity in his heavenly father. He also found his value in God's love. 
Because when he came up out of that water, he said, this, God said, this is my son whom I love. I love you, Jesus. And, and, and that voice assured him that no matter what, and Jesus went through ridicule, he went through um, people falsely accused, and they called him Satan. They called him evil. He had to go through all kinds of things. He was bullied, he was crucified, he was put down, he was spised, he was spat on. But through all of it, he didn't veer off of, I know my father loves me. I'm not judging him based on what I have to go through in my life here. I know that my father loves me. There was no question. It didn't matter what the voices were saying to him. He shed off his old clothes and he said, I am loved because my heavenly father loves me. He found his value in God's love. He was confident in that and he placed all of his energy into pleasing God. Not pleasing people, he didn't buckle to what other people were saying that he needed to do. And he wasn't in their face about it either. And he wasn't trying to prove who he was. He just simply wanted to please God. When he got in, in certain situations, he wasn't reacting to what that person was saying to him. Or he wasn't taking what that person was saying and saying, oh man, that gets on my last. No. He said, what is it in this situation that will please my father? He was completely focused on, he's my hero, he's my example. When I get in those situations, I look at, God, how did you do that? Well, the way he did that was every morning. He submitted and he surrendered to the power of God, to the Holy Spirit being alive and well in his life. We have that power available to us to have an accurate view of ourselves. And you know one thing I really love about Jesus? He faced his human weaknesses. He didn't deny them. He didn't avoid them. He didn't pretend they didn't have, that he didn't have weaknesses. He was 100% human, just like us. And after he came up out of that water, he fasted for 40 days because he wanted to strengthen himself, himself. But what he did was then, he was led out into the desert and he was tempted. Now, don't you think after 40 days, you're gonna be pretty hungry. It's gonna break you down. You know, Buddy leaves and he was gone for the week and I have a problem when he leaves, I don't eat much. And so one evening I didn't eat much and the next morning I had this headache and I thought, Oh man, I think it's because I'm hungry. Well, that was just one night without a meal. Jesus went 40 days. He was broken down. He was weak. And you know what I love about Jesus? He was not a wimp. Because he surrendered and he submitted, he Im immediately Im admitted, I'm weak, I'm hungry. I have a need that I want filled so bad. He had a legitimate need. And then Satan came and he said, if you're God, that's his identity. He's saying, prove your identity. If you're God, prove it to me. You're hungry, there's a stone. Take that stone, turn it to bread and eat it. Now don't you think that sounded good to Jesus? He had to be right on the line. It's no different than every single one of us when we're in a situation and we want something so bad that would make us feel good and we get to choose 
Am I gonna fall for that? Or am I gonna strengthen myself by turning to God? And that's exactly what Jesus did. God armed him with something that he arms every single one of us. He said, get behind me, Satan. You have no power over me. I worship the one supreme true God. And Jesus had strength under pressure. And he had control. He was no wimp. He quickly admitted his weakness. He didn't deny it. And that's what I've tried to create here at Salem Fields is, let's not hide those secret things that we don't like about ourselves. Let's talk about them. Let's admit them. Let's be quick. If there's a situation and there's a problem, instead of pointing our finger at somebody else, let's be quick to say, well, here's the part I played in that. That's strong. We had a beautiful conversation in the booth as we prepared for this service, and I asked every person that's involved with production, I said, what was your most humbling moment in your life? And we ran around that circle and every single one of the people in that production team and the, and the band said, here's mine. And we shared that with each other. There was no condemnation. There was no judgment. There was a community. I mean, there was a, by the time we finished and everybody had shared and they said, this was the most humiliating thing. And, and I said, well, really what that was was pride, wasn't it? And every single one of them said, yeah, I guess there's some pride in that. Well, you see, that pride is what needs to be crucified. And the only way that that can happen is if we admit it and we confess it and we use the body of Christ to, to have a non-judgmental place where we can say, man, I don't like this about myself. Do you think Jesus liked that he was tempted? No, he didn't want to be a person that had to be tempted, but he was. And he said, I'm hungry. I am vulnerable right now. But he called on God's strength and he said get out of here Satan I only worship God and he's the only one I'll look to for my identity he's the only one that I find my my accurate truth in he's the only one and when we get our eyes on somebody else we get off track and we put the old clothes on again you see Jesus resolved to worship no one or nothing but his father in heaven he didn't fall for the lies about who he was. And that's what humility is. Humility is quick to admit our weaknesses, to admit our wrongdoing, to confess and say, I have a desperate need for God to fill me in those places. And if we can create, and I know that there are some men's groups that are doing the very thing that very thing right now where they can admit and confess to one another and they can build one another up, not tear each other down because of these things that they're struggling with. If we can be people that say, yeah, I've got a fine home, I've got fine children, I've got a job, and all of it is because God has honored and blessed me, but here are the things that I'm struggling with too. And I know that I have a desperate need with that drinking problem that I have or that porn problem that I have or whatever that thing is in our life, that shopping problem that I have or that view that I have of myself that's distorted. That's my weakness and I desperately need to cry out to the only one that can tell me who I am in light of who he is. 
You see, Webster defines humility as freedom from pride. Our pride needs to be crucified. But we have to have a healing community that will allow us and not judge us. And that's what we have here at Salem Fields Community Church. We've tried to create that kind of culture. Every single one of us carry a picture of ourselves. You know, I've been on some great trips and my brother always says, hey, you wanna, he loves getting pictures and I love, I take pictures of things, not people that much. I don't know what that means, but, uh, and he'll say, you want your picture here? And I'll say, well, okay, because it kind of documents. And then I'll look at that picture and I'll say, oh man, that was not a good outfit. Or, wow, that's my bad side. Or, mm, no, didn't, didn't smile very well. Don't we do that to ourselves? And then the one that we really like, we'll post. <laughs> because that's what we want the world to see of us. You know, what we ought to do is just start posting those really stupid, ugly pictures and say, I like that person. <laughs> Doesn't matter what she wears or how she looks or how her hair is going that day. And you know, men, oh, the thing that I hear consistently from men, because I've done a lot of counseling with men, is there's this voice in your head that says, you will never amount to anything. But the big one, the big one is that failure thing. No matter what you do, no matter how you try with your wife or your kids, you still feel like a failure. And when you feel like a failure, you can't fix that thing and you're powerless, it really affects the view that you have of yourself, that somehow you're not quite as good as the next guy that really seems to have it together. These are the old clothes. And we have to shed those old clothes because you see, Jesus had an accurate picture of himself. It says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. You see, Jesus was God, but he was on earth and he was called to surrender and to submit. And he surrendered and submitted every day. He put himself under the authority of the one supreme God. And he could have been entitled. He was God. But he didn't demand his rights. You know, everybody today is, I deserve my rights. Well, that's entitlement. Jesus didn't demand his rights. He was God. Yet he surrendered and submitted to the Holy Spirit while he was on earth. You see, no sense of inferiority, in other words, feeling less valuable than somebody else, he didn't have that because he submitted and clearly saw himself accurately in light of who God is. There was no way he could know himself without knowing his father. There is no way that we can know ourselves, our true selves, without knowing the one that is reigning supreme on the throne of our life. That's how we see ourselves accurately. And you know what I love about Jesus? He was obedient to death. When he got in those situations and he was being beaten, don't you think he, well, when he went in the garden, he said, God, please take this away from me. He knew what was coming, but he said, it's not my will, but it's your will. It didn't matter what people were saying about him. It didn't matter how he felt. What mattered was that he pleased God. 
and that he would be obedient to death, even when he couldn't see any results, even when he couldn't see the promised land, even when he saw this cross that he was gonna be nailed to and it was gonna be so painful, he knew that was his purpose. And he decided to be obedient to death. You know how many people fall in those moments? We don't have to if we call on the name of the Lord and understand that he has a purpose for us and he won't stop in your life until he completes that. I look at my life and I get real excited because I've got a chunk of life uh, left. I might die tomorrow, that means I've got a day left and that would be, that would be a wonderful thing but God promised me he said, Gay, at four years old, I gave you a purpose. You've known your purpose throughout your life. I have not completed that yet. What that means is he has something to do through my life from my day to day until the day I die. That's exciting to me. He will complete that. He has a purpose, and Jesus knew that, and he has that for every person here. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Two final things that I'm just gonna throw in here because I think they're really important for us. One of them is Jesus took care of himself too. He didn't say, oh, to be humble, I just need to put everybody else first and I don't take care of myself. It's one of the worst witnesses you can give if you're not taking care of yourself. Your temple is your body and it's your witness and uh, he, he wants us to get our rest. He wants us to drink water. He wants us to, <laughs> he wants us to take care of ourselves. He wants us to take care of ourselves emotionally and mentally. He wants us to pay attention to those things that are taking us down. He wants us to, to pay attention to those things that can be encouraging. He wants us to take care of ourselves. It is not humble when you say, oh, I'm, I'm just gonna take care of everybody else, no. That tells me you're very insecure because you're not taking care of yourself. Jesus was not that way. He encouraged himself and when he got weary, he got away and he prayed. I've known how to do that in my life. I've known how to, uh, to say I know my limits and I know what I need to do today and I'm gonna get away and I don't care what really what anyone says because between the Lord and I, I know that this is really important for my body. And I know my body, I know my needs and I pay attention to that and I try to take care of that. You know who some of the worst people that take care of the, their, themselves are? Yeah, nurses. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting. And Jesus also knew how to receive. He knew how to let other people do for him. He'd go to Mary and Martha's house. It was one of his favorite places to go because they'd take care of him. And you see, servanthood breeds servanthood. Sometimes we need to allow other people to have the blessing of giving. You know, Buddy is a big, big giver and he gives to me all the time. And uh, you know, I don't say that a whole lot because other women say, they begin to compare their husbands to mine and it's not a good thing because Buddy's got his issues as well, right? We all do. <laughs> but um, he's, he's a giver, and it's been hard for him to learn how to receive from me. And there have been times that that has disturbed me because I'm a giver too. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus knew that servanthood was giving and receiving. 
And he allowed Mary and Martha to give him a place of respite. I have a few places in my life like that where I go there and they just kind of take care of me. I haven't had a mom in a long, long time and it kind of feels that way and I receive that. But I also love to give. Jesus knew how to receive as well. Okay, so Paul cared so much about these Colossians. And this message still goes out to us today, doesn't it? He cared so much that he needed to warn them. And he needed to instruct them. And that's how I'm going to draw this to a close today. I want to say to you, be cautious of the voices that you allow to influence you, even if they're good, okay? Be cautious. Because people can wear kindness and gentleness and have impure motives. You know that, right? I was so trusting as I was growing up, I believed just about anybody that was kind. And then I got really burned. And I learned that lesson, and it's a good lesson in life. People can be compassionate, but not be doing it in the name of the Lord. And it's a good deed but it's not in the name of the Lord. And those who sometimes appear humble and kind of have pretty clothes on the outside aren't necessarily like Jesus. And it's important for us to spot the counterfeits. Jesus even told us to do that. He said, watch out for false prophets. We fill our minds with all kinds of voices every day, and if in the morning we are not surrendering and submitting to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we'll fall for those voices. Paul was so concerned about that for people. I'm so concerned about that for people. And we need to be able to discern the voices that we'll give our attention to and the things. And the only way is to stay focused and making Jesus the center of our life. It's pretty simple. Because you see, none of us have all the truth. We come off sometimes as we do, don't we? I mean, we think when we give our opinion, we think we're telling the truth. We're not. We don't have all the truth. There's only one who has all truth, and that's where we need to keep our eyes, to keep our eyes on him. And the key to to all of this, for that wardrobe to develop within us and spring out into the world so that the world will see something different and say, well, what is that about you? And you say, well, every morning I surrender and I submit to the king of my life, Jesus. And in these moments, he gives me power. And don't let me tell you wrong, it hurts sometimes. It's not easy sometimes. But that's what the world hears out of us. I would encourage you, be quick to admit, to confess, to not let what other people think of you determine what you do. In other words, at the end of services every week, I just get real concerned that people are just so concerned about what other people think of them that they miss 
forgetting about that and coming before him and just putting their eyes and saying, Jesus, I want you to be at the center of my life. And daily, it might be a struggle, but I know that you will give me the power and the strength to be able to shed my own clothes and to find victory in my life. It's daily. And sometimes you're headed into the wind and a lot of times you can't see any results from this. But if you keep your eyes on the prize, which is your eternal life, and you have an eternal perspective, everything that you do up to that point is going to be fulfilling that purpose, not just in heaven, but on earth as well. And then I'd love to just say to us, let's strive to see all people with equal value the way that Jesus taught that because someone is young, they're not better than someone that's growing old. Or because someone has a certain color of skin that they're not less than or more than somebody else. Or because someone's a woman that they're not less than or more than a man. I will never trash men. I will never trash women. Could we be people that strive to see people as Jesus does? Everybody has value. Everybody is equal. And when we do, we'll respond to our world completely different. We'll be wearing the new clothes because you see, we're all sinners. <laughs> we're all in the same boat. But I gotta say to you, if you're looking down on yourself, that's a sin. You're a child of God. And he tells us not to look down on anyone. If you're sensing that you're better than someone else, that's a sin. Could you begin to get an accurate view of yourself and the only way is to look at the one. Jesus gave us this promise and I love it. If we'll be people that are quick to admit and confess and to say, I'm a sinner, and I, quite honestly, don't do very well at putting Jesus at the center of my life every day. But I'm going to humbly bow before him this morning. And I'm going to make my declaration. Because the promise says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and not care about what everybody else in the world thinks about them, and pray, you know what I'll do? I'll hear you, and I will heal you. Do you want that promise? It means surrendering. It means submitting. That is strength under pressure. That is God's control in your life, not an idle control. Now here's what I want to do just in, as we close this series. Jody's going to kind of sing this chorus and I'd like for you to get it in your head and kind of meditate on it. Go ahead, Jody. You can. And um, I want you to listen to it. And I want you to count the cost and really kind of evaluate in your own life. Do I have an accurate picture of who I am? And if you don't, 
that means that maybe Jesus needs to get course corrected to the place that he rightfully needs to be in your life. And so I'd like to just listen to this simple little chorus. And then I'm going to just kind of have them play a little interlude. And at that point, I'm going to have you stand. And I'm going to ask you if you're willing to surrender and submit and say, Jesus, I need you at the center of my life. I'm going to ask you to come forward, okay? So let's just, let's just kind of meditate. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. a believable 
believer because you are willing to surrender and to submit and say, I am willing to find my identity in Jesus Christ. As we close out this time, I'm just going to ask you if you're that person that would say that, that you would come forward, you would bow whatever you feel that you need to do. Let's close it out that way. Come on. humility in my life? Am I truly looking to Jesus and putting him on the throne of my life? Or what is it that gets the most attention in my life? Because here's what I know. The way that you view yourself will paint every relationship that you have. If you're insecure, 
you'll tend to be jealous and looking at other people and saying, this is what I want, or you're not thankful or grateful for what you actually have. If you feel better than other people, it'll give you a sense of entitlement, and you'll treat other people around you with your sense of entitlement. The way you view yourself paints every relationship that you have. And so I'd encourage you, would you be challenged to get an accurate view of yourself? The only way is to put Jesus at the center of your life. I want Jody to send this, sing this last chorus because it says, Jesus be the center of this church. And long after I'm gone, dead and gone, years from now, my prayer is that Jesus will be the center of this church because people are wearing the garment the spiritual garment of praise for him. Sing that, Joe. Let's sing this together. Jesus, be the center of your church. Jesus, be the center of your church. that Jesus Christ is Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. We've been in your presence. God, I thank you so much for how you've been lifted up here today in the hearts and lives of people through worship, through meditation, through songs, through prayer. And I pray, Lord, that we would be the people that wear a garment that looks much different, a wardrobe that looks much different than the rest of the world. Only the graces that you give as we submit and surrender to you and place you on the supreme throne of our life. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in my life, how you're transforming me, how you've taken those things that haven't been pleasing to you and you've shown those to me, and God, how you're changing me for your glory. Father, I pray that we would be the church that puts you at the center forever, for always. Father, we love you, we praise you, we give thee all the glory for everything that's happened here today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys, go in victory and go in peace. Love you guys.